0: Good morning, there you are, second service, welcome, glad you're here this morning, online, we're so pleased that uh, you're with us this morning, and uh, we want to do Amazing Grace, part four, and uh, Amazing Grace, part four, getting really excited for our Easter services, three Easter services uh, in this theme, Amazing Grace. And I'll be sharing uh, next week and the week after about uh, scriptures that where people simply brought someone else to Jesus and what takes place, and they brought them to Jesus. We're going to look at that. I want to stir your faith to believe about someone you could bring on Easter Sunday morning in one of our three services just to uh, see a life transformed as they meet the goodness of Uh, and uh, just the touch of God. So we're going to believe for that uh, Easter Sunday. Be in prayer with us for that as each year so many... Come to know Jesus in our Easter services, and I know this year will be no exception, and online as well. If you've got some friends and you watch online, why not have a watch party and have somebody over and uh, spend Easter with them? As we're just believing for so many great miracles from God, He loves us so very much. And then churches that heal the following week. I'm really excited about that. We were going to launch it a little bit earlier, uh, but because of the uh, the last shutdown, we felt it wasn't timely. So. Uh, this actually is going to work out so much better. And uh, so the week after Easter, and it's really small group driven. So there's a Sunday presentation, and then the, uh, during the week in small groups, Uh, kind of processing out the material, which is really the important part of Churches That Heal. We sometimes have as high as 80% of our congregation in small groups, and so I'm just really believing that you will sign up. Let's get that number that high or maybe even higher. That would be awesome. As we work through this material, Churches That Heal, not physical healing, but the uh, healing up the brokenhearted, being a church that knows how to embrace the brokenhearted, knows how to make room and space, creating environments for people who are unchurched, who don't know Jesus, uh, but um, that we just want to reach out to, especially in this time of uh, very close to post-pandemic. We're getting there, believe it or not. Uh, Some will be getting vaccines uh, right now and uh, throughout the months to come. And so, Uh, Churches at Heal, just put that on your radar, and uh, you'll hear about Sign Up Sundays. I'm just hoping so many of you will be able to take part. All right, so our verse for Amazing Grace, this is part four, Jesus, our righteousness, is Philippians 4.19, and God will supply, help me out this morning, say will, he will supply, it's a done deal, he guarantees it, he will supply all your needs, Needs are not just physical needs. They are our emotional needs. Every, every, anything that we have lack in, God wants to uh, make up and fill up in our life. We call that grace, God's enablement, God's power, God's supply, that supernatural touch from the Lord that comes into our life. We don't earn it, and we don't deserve it. He wants to supply. And I've just felt in this series, Amazing Grace, to help us understand uh, not to receive grace in vain. And that's what Paul said. And, and it's not rejecting God or rejecting our salvation. Uh, to fall from grace and other scripture, to frustrate grace in other scriptures, we've been looking at this, means to be empty-handed, to receive grace in vain. As God puts it in our hand, but then when we look, there's a disconnect between his supply. He does supply every time. There's a disconnect between um, our living it out and His supply. And we've been looking at some of the reasons why. And it's we want to live in the tree of life, in a life-giving relationship with Jesus, and not in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, life-sucking religion uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't fill or supply at all. So let's, uh, let's look at this this morning. I want to give you some, uh, some data that's U.S.-based, and I do apologize for that. I couldn't find Canadian data, but I think it would be similar, uh, relatively speaking, to our population. But the U.S. market data estimates that the self-improvement market, so you know that all of the self-help books, the coaches, um, all of the things you can do to make yourself better, the self-help uh, market was worth uh, $9 billion in 2016, $9 billion. 2018, it went up to $11 billion. So an 18% increase if you're putting, buying stock. That's a good, good spot to put stock in. And then they estimate that at the end of this year, it'll be worth $13 billion. If you take the top 5,000 motivational speakers in the U.S., take the five, top 5,000, they're making money, they travel, they do this for a living. So some make more than others. But if you take an average of the top 5,000, their salary, yearly salary, is $200,000, motivational speakers. Now, I need to tell you, I thought about it for a second, because each week I need to come and motivate you, kind of stir you up a little bit, get you, know, get you motivated for the things of God. And I need to come up with for over 40 motivational sermons each and every year. These guys do three. <laughs> some of them do two. Some of them only one, a really good one. And they make $200,000. And I realize I'm probably not that good at it, so I'll just stick to my day job and keep doing sermons on Sunday. Are you out there this morning? All right, good, good. Online, uh, just trying to, It's people are acting as if they got up an hour earlier or something this morning. I don't know what it is, but uh, we're talking about uh, Jesus, our righteousness, part four of Amazing Grace, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. I gave you the data about self-help because much of Christendom spends so much time trying to get better, trying to improve themselves. We have this promise in the scriptures that if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has already Come When we're born again, we are given a new heart. The old heart is gone. The new is here. Yes, somebody's getting this this morning. And as we talk about transformational grace, transformational grace last week, I'm not talking about change. The self-help industry wants you to change, and people are willing to pay for it. To change means I need to become something I believe I'm not. I'm not that, but I want to change into it. I want to become that. Well, transformation is so powerful, it's I'm becoming someone I believe I already am. Someone that Jesus says I am already. I know I, I am who he says I am. We sing that song. And this week I want to consider a very important truth about grace. I'm going to tell you flat out, hopefully pique your interest a little bit, most of us don't get it. Most of us skip over it. Most of us can say it, but most of us don't understand it myself, included. And you'll understand as we unpack this this morning and we look at it. Last week, Paul's powerful analogy, Paul the Apostle to the Corinthian Church, of the woman who was married, woman who was married, and the law, like an abusive husband, as Paul gives us this really cool analogy in First in Corinthians chapter seven, and that the option is not to go next door to the cute guy and hang out with him because that would be adultery. And what he's, the point he's making is that in marriage, we're bound legally, there's a binding in that, in that marriage. And in the same way, legally, in the universal law of God, we are bound to the law. And the law is alive. It is not dead. And some people want to kill the law. They want to kill the law and say, we don't relate to the law at all. Well, that doesn't work, because every time I break the law, I can hear the law's voice tell me I broke the law. So the law is alive. Say alive. The law is alive. But there is an option that that in a marriage, one of the partners has to die. I die. I die and became new. This is important. I die and became new. And, and Paul's, we're going to look at the scripture, Paul's going to talk about water baptism. It's so it's so powerful. It's not just a ritual. We don't just get done. Oh, yeah, I got done. Uh, so you can say your date, you know, in the water baptismal tank. No, it's it is a it is an identification with what Jesus did, and we need to remind ourselves every day that, according to Romans six four, for we died, we were buried with Christ by baptism. So that's how we we look back at the cross and we enter into this powerful death of Jesus, and we die, our old man dies. But just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live. New life. Somebody say new. We're living a new life, not an old life. We're living a new life. We're born again and in a relationship with Jesus who loves me, accepts me, and supplies. And I want us all to have the supply that grace supplies and not have a disconnect by his divine power, Second Peter 1.3. God has given us everything we need. Same language. The same language we've been looking at from Philippians. Peter says the same thing. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. We need in our daily lives. We need uh, to be godly, it goes on, for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him experientially. Not in our heads, but experientially that's what it means. To know him, the one who called us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Notice, we don't receive it by doing. We don't receive it by performance. We don't receive it by intellectual knowing. We receive it by experiencing Jesus, and we can do that each and every day as we come into his presence in prayer, as we study the scriptures and meditation, just being aware of his presence in our lives. At Harvest, we want everybody to know God. Say, no, God. It's kind of our mantra. We say this, and and if you go to step one, you hear about how we've structured our church around these four purposes of harvest, that you would know God and every day know him more experientially. You would find freedom from yesterday. And all of us have have things that have happened to us that God wants to free us from. Discover that you have a purpose, that you have a gift and a call, that you were born for a reason, and then to make a difference as you fulfill that gift and call. And many on the Dream Team even today are serving. And so many areas that God can use you, you can make a difference. Religion, living at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, using that analogy that we looked at a couple weeks ago, Religion wants you to believe that you're the same person when you got saved, you're the same person you were with the change of your past is forgiven, you're on your way to heaven. But you now need to work at changing and work at becoming the person that God wants you to be. That's religion wants you to change to become the person God wants you to be. It's so misleading and it's so destructive as a belief system because the Scriptures are clear, as we're going to look at this morning, that when you are born again, you are already the person that God wants you to be. God is not in a relationship with you nitpicking and after you every day going, you got to change that. You better change that. you got to get after that if you could just be that doesn't work in marriage either, does it? (laughs) No. (laughs) If you have a spouse that's always telling you that you need to change to make me happy, that that doesn't work. And it doesn't work in our relationship with God because God didn't design it that way. And so religion will tell you, your past is forgiven, but your job now is to become the person God wants you to be. And so people start striving to be what God wants them to be. No different than the $13 billion self-help industry. And in Christendom, we should not, I mean, there's nothing wrong with self-help books. I, I think they're great, and I, and I have some. But I mean, in the essence of who we are, we're not changing. We are transforming. The life in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, religion, sets this destructive belief system up. And what ends up by happening is we, we've seen. So we, we get to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and so we do more. We try to get God's approval. We focus on changing our behavior. And we start obeying God out of duty instead of out of delight. Because the alternative is punishment, we believe. That's not life. And God said that. That is death. Say death. It's life-sucking. I've tried it. It's hard work. It It just doesn't work. Jesus said, come to me, everybody. Who is heavy laden, who is who is shrunk down with trying to perform, cast that off. Learn of me, he said. My way is easy and light. I will give you. What would he give us? I will give you, finish the scripture for me. Rest. I will give you rest. So Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. We've looked at, or excuse me, before that. Whoever has the Son, first John 5, 12, has life, has life. And if we're honest. For many of us, we're not experiencing that life, that grace life. We're not experiencing that because a couple words that we've been looking at, we're frustrating grace, we're receiving grace in vain, or we're, we're falling from grace. And religion will teach you that, that, oh, you've lost your salvation. Now, you can't lose your salvation. Jesus died on the cross. You accepted it. You have it. No one's going to take that away from you. The scriptures are clear. No one can take you out of the Father's hand. And so what do those words mean? What it means is we are out of direct line of, of the life of God, and receiving grace in vain, we looked at, is literally to be empty-handed of grace, to not have uh, my hands on grace. Well, why don't I? And we've been looking at some of these reasons today. Today I want you to see. This morning we're going to look at a verse from Romans. It's simply profound profoundly simple. One verse an idea about the righteousness of Jesus. I hope it'll challenge you the way it's been challenging me as I've been preparing. One verse from Romans. We're going to look at it right now. Romans chapter five, verse twenty-one. Paul comes in as he's writing to the Roman church, uh, uh, to the Romans uh, of this, you know, first-century church. Mid-sentence, so that. So let's just start at just, just as sin reigned in death so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me unpack some of this for us this morning. I hope we'll get this. I'm going to tell you that most of us don't, myself included. And we need to understand that grace reigns through righteousness. So the idea being that before we met Jesus, uh, uh, sin reigned in our life. It had dominion. It had power. We were separated from God, and it, 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 it ends up in death. It's a life in death, not physical death because we're alive, but spiritual and eternal death. And sin reigned because of death and the pronouncement, Adam and Eve stepping out of the tree of life in the garden. But then I become born again. I receive I receive God's forgiveness. I receive his grace into my life. So now also grace might reign. That grace would have power in my life. That grace would superintend me. Grace would lead me. Grace would guide me. Amazing grace would be my portion. And as we're talking, I don't want to disconnect uh, or have you have a disconnect in the supply of God. We call the grace of God and not be empty-handed. We need to understand this morning that that grace has power in your life through righteousness through righteousness. Grace needs a righteous heart to move through. The conduit of grace, grace reigns through righteousness. Let me explain that. We've learned that our righteousness is not self-righteousness. And when we get saved, You know, your performance record tells you, and it tells you over and over, you're not righteous. And so we go into works, and we try to have self-righteousness, and we try to work into righteousness. And because of this destructive religious belief system that tells you, well, obviously you're not righteous, so you have to get righteous. One day you will be righteous, and grace will reign through you. No, we're going to see that grace reigns through righteousness Our righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus in my life, and my new heart, I'm living not out of my old heart. It's gone. It's dead. I'm living in my new heart, and I need to be persuaded in my heart that I am righteous. I am righteous. Say, I am righteous. You'll get this as we go through. Grace reigns through righteousness. When grace reigns in my life, it brings, it says, eternal life. It's not saying that, that I'm, my past is forgiven, I'm saved and ready for heaven. What do I do until then? I live an eternal life. I'm not waiting for eternal life. That, that phrase, eternal life, is a quality of life. It's not a length of life. It is not a length of life. It is a quality of life. Jesus said, I have come to give them life and give it to them full the abundant life. Say abundant life. It's living in relationship with Jesus and having his life in me, flowing through me. That life is eternal life. Yes, if I this physical body dies, I keep on living in eternity, but there isn't a break. Heaven on earth, so to speak, as I live in that relationship, that supply, I'm not waiting for heaven. So how does grace reign so that I can have his supply, I can have life in Jesus, clearly from Romans, through righteousness? So if I don't believe I'm righteous, if I buy into the religious destructive idea that I'm not righteous but I'm becoming righteous, then my heart is not believing I'm righteous. And if I'm not believing, then my hands remain empty of his supply and his grace, because we've reading, um, grace reigns through righteousness. Say it with me. Grace reigns through righteousness. One more time. Yes, grace is going to reign, rule and reign through righteousness. When are you most likely to think, I'm righteous? And kind of go after God in prayer or kind of open your hands for some grace and, and say, God, I'm ready to receive. When are you most likely to feel righteous? When you've had a good week and you kind of, your, your sin slate is kind of clear and you feel pretty good and you've read the Bible and, and you've been, you know, consistent in prayer, you kind of check it through. Oh, yeah, yeah, check, 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 check. How easily we kind of think self-righteously. We're trying to buy or earn grace. We've talked about this. Now watch how this works. When are we most likely to feel like I'm not righteous? When my performance in my life, I yelled at my kids. I I got frustrated with somebody. Uh, I, I sinned. I broke one of the commandments. My thought life was unclean. Whatever the case may be, I am not likely to feel like, because my performance is telling me, the law is telling me, the enemy's right there saying, you're not righteous. Look at your performance. You're not righteous. And then we shrink down. Grace doesn't have a place to reign because now self-righteousness is reigning because I'm believing the lie that I'm not righteous. I'm buying in. And my performance is reestablishing that quote-unquote fact of my old heart, but my new heart, I'm a new creation. And my new heart needs to inform the rest of me. I've got to know in my heart I am righteous. Watch this. Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your head that God has raised him from the dead. Doesn't say that, right? Some of you thought that's that's Believe where? Believe in, your, believe in your heart, your innermost person, the center of who you are, not in your head. This is why I'm not a, a personal fan of when I'm sharing a Christ with people. Some people are really into apologetics and convincing people, the logic of it. And I think it's great. I just, it's not for me. Some people love it. They're good at it. Um, I've just always found that if a person gives mental assent to it, they're like, okay, that makes sense. But they don't necessarily find salvation. But when somebody's moved upon in their heart, they come into a service. You bring a friend, and all of a sudden you look over, and there's tears, and they're You're going, "Are you okay?" are going. They're going, oh, no, not what's wrong. I'm just feeling something." <laughs> Many of you have testified. That's what's happened as you've come to harvest. Yeah, come to and experience that something's going on in your heart. In your heart, the most vulnerable place of who you are, and you let the walls down for a minute, and Jesus came in and began talking to you. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then it goes on to tell you how this works. It says this, for with the heart, one believes. With the heart, one believes. So that believing is not a mental ascent. There is an inside persuasion. You're convinced. It's like, I don't know exactly. But at the end of the service, when the opportunity came, you threw your hand up, you go, yes, I want Jesus. Because you experienced him at the level of your heart. You know your innermost being knows that you know that you know. And you may not be able to make sense out of it. But you know that you know that you know it's real. And you met God. And so it unpacks it and says, now look, you had, this, you had this experience. The heart one believes the same way unto righteousness. You can believe in your heart the same way unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart you believe you are righteous. With your heart you believe you are righteous. But if you don't believe in your heart that you are righteous, grace doesn't have an avenue in your heart to rule and reign. And you end up back at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to pick its fruit. Life in Jesus happens when I believe in my heart that the work of the cross is finished. Jesus' last words were, it is, it is, Come on, we're coming up to Easter. Act like we know what Easter is. Ready? One, two, three. It is? Yeah. Jesus said it's done. There's nothing more to do. So I can't perform to get righteous. I don't do to get righteous, but as I spend time with Jesus, that analogy last week is as the the abused uh, wife who, you know, did make a mess, but Jesus comes alongside and says, come on, we're going to clean this up together, and we begin to understand why is he cleaning this up with me? Because he knows I'm not that person. I am a different person. He gave me a new heart, and my new heart needs to affect the rest of who I am. Now listen, this is important. This is the, I'm kind of up to this moment now. You say, okay, theological word, righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, okay. Okay, I, yeah, I have to know that I'm righteous. I spent time with Jesus, and I know how awesome and righteous he is, and then I accept that he's forgiven me. I, I accept he's accepting me. And then I start working? No. Most people in this room, have accepted Jesus as their Savior, knowing He has forgiven you of your past, promised you a future, and you're on your way to heaven. Most people in this room. And if you don't know that, in a few minutes, we're just about at the end of this uh, this talk, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and receive Jesus into your life and begin the most incredible relationship with the very God who created you. Most of us would say we've accepted Jesus as our Savior. But, have you accepted Jesus as your righteousness? Have you accepted Jesus as your righteousness? This week as I was preparing, and I asked myself the question, and it's the first thought that pops into your head, and for most of us it's no. And I realized that... It's, it was a, a resounding, have I accepted that I am the righteousness of Christ? I am that. I'm not trying to be that. And I listen to, I look at my track record, I look at my performance, and my knee jerk right away is, no, I'm not, but I'm trying hard. And the minute that's my belief system, my innermost belief system, which is what I'm asking us all to consider, because I think it's most of our innermost belief system, the, the belief system of the heart Grace has no avenue to reign. And this affects every part of our life. Most of us in the room would say we would, you know, we love when people get healed. There was another healing testimony we're going to be taping from the from first service. Powerful. And we love hearing how God is healing. We're going to be praying in a minute for some healings. How many would in a room right now, though, would agree with me, or online, you're watching, would agree that there's like there should be more healing than we're experiencing. How many would just raise your hand and weave it at me a little bit and say, I think there should be more healing. What's the disconnect? Because healing is simply the supply of God into a sick body. What's the disconnect? I will supply all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. I believe receiving grace Even sometimes as we pray for the sick, and we've talked about this, we do it in a way that we're trying to get God's attention instead of simply stating, this is something I already have. This is something I'm simply receiving, not empty-handed, but my hand's full of healing, my hand's full of forgiveness, my hand's full, whatever the grace is, why, why is there disconnect? I believe there's a disconnect, this truth right here that most of us are still trying to perform our righteousness as opposed to believing I've accepted his righteousness. It's quiet in the room. I hope, I hope, it's, it's freshly shaking me up, saying, have I accepted Jesus as my righteousness? Romans 5.21, grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ our Lord. If I could have the team come up, in order to receive grace in all the different areas of my life, I must accept the truth. I am already righteous in Jesus, and I've just given him a, a heart to reign in so grace can be my supply. As we acknowledge what God says, Our hearts will become persuaded of this truth, and grace can flow, grace can reign, allowing us to live not empty-handed, not grace in vain, but full-handed grace flowing effortlessly into our lives. God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We receive this by coming to know him. Then Where's the grace In a heart that believes it's righteous so that it can rule and reign? Have you accepted Jesus as your righteousness? Listen to this scripture afresh. They're going to look at it, but listen as I read it, just afresh right now. Jesus is talking to his disciples. they are talking about tomorrow and it's got enough worries of its own and we'll live in today, and we need to pray. We need to pray, and God will meet our needs. And he says, you know, Jesus says, you know, the Gentiles chase after self-help, trying to help themselves. They're worried about what they're going to wear, looking good, and they're worried about what they're going to eat and having supply. And, and and Jesus unpacks this whole thing. The birds, man, the birds. God takes care of the birds. Can you guys connect this, he says, that he says, you know, that, that even... How much more does God want to take care of you? And he knows what you have need of before you even ask him. Yeah? You following me? That, there, there it is. There's the context. Then he says this. Then he says this. Watch, watch, watch. Seek first his kingdom. God is king. I have a relationship with the king of the universe. Kingdom rule and reign. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not seek your righteousness. Seek His righteousness. you got to get this. Come on, see it. Look at it. It's there. You're seeking His righteousness. You're seeking to understand His righteousness which was given to you. That's my righteousness. His righteousness is my righteousness. And when I start to pursue the things of the kingdom, understanding His righteousness, all these other things are just given to you. Do you see it? Do you see it? How important this is? And we strive, and we work, and we sweat, and we try harder, and we sweat more. And yet transformation in our life is to be effortless as we understand. And my heart starts to get good. Listen, the actions of your life will deny that you are righteous. They will. The actions of your heart will deny it. But you must maintain your boldness of who you are in Jesus. You must stand up for what's true. You must take a stand in your life. I must take a stand in my life and acknowledge that I'm righteous in Jesus until my heart becomes established in this new truth. Ephesians 6, 10 to 14. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. There's my strength. There's my power. How do I maintain that? Put on the whole armor of God. We could look at all the different pieces, but having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Every day, you and I need to get up and put our armor over our heart, the armor of righteousness. And even when my actions deny it, my life denies it, my, my thought life is denying it, don't allow that to take you off course. But instead, put on the breastplate and say, fiery darts of the enemy, not today. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you begin to be persuaded of it. And all of a sudden you realize in your heart that you are a new creation. You're not becoming a new creation. You were born again a new creation. And at harvest we're going to begin to discover the power of God flowing through and in us. Not only will we have grace and grace will be abounding in our lives, We will be able to pour grace out on others who desperately need to know that God wants to make them new. Harvest, you are a new creation, and grace reigns through you in righteousness. God bless you this morning. My wife is coming. We're going to pray this morning. So many needs. But just before we do, I'd like to ask if there's someone in the room You've never invited Jesus into your life. You've never asked him to forgive your sin. He's not angry at you. God actually put his anger on Jesus on the cross. That's why his death was so brutal. The Bible says that literally the universe responded on that first Easter. As the sky grew dark, the sun was darkened, whether it was an eclipse. What what totally took place, I don't know. But it is documented not only in the Bible but in physical history that nature itself became responding to the Christ who was on the cross. The rocks shook. Things took place. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As God made he who is perfect sin that you could be made perfect? It's the greatest exchange ever. It's called the good news. Jesus came and preached it and then died to demonstrate it, rose again to give it to you this morning. You're not here by accident. If you're here and you've never accepted this gift of grace, of forgiveness of sin and eternal life, today coming into your life, I'd like to just lead you in a short prayer, a prayer of invitation, and it will take place in your life right now. If you're here and you've heard and in your heart something's going on right now, you go, I don't understand this, but I want this. I want to include you in this prayer. I'm going to count down from three. I'm just going to go three, two, and one. When I get to one, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You're saying include me in the prayer, Pastor. Online, say include us in the prayer, Pastor. Right now, ready, three. You say, I can't even believe this would be for me. Yeah, it's, it's for you. He loves you so much. Two and one. Would you raise your hand so I can see it? I want to pray for you today. Would there be anyone in the room? We had two people in first service. It was just awesome. Anybody today? All right, I, I would like then just as we uh, would enter into this time of prayer for these prayer requests, if you would stand with us this morning. Our prayer team's coming. Our prayer team is available today. And we're just going to recognize all of the things we need to do to be able to have in-person prayer. But they'll explain that to you if you're uncomfortable. Just ask them what's happening and we'll, we'll, we'll take care of all of that. But if you would like personal prayer today, we want to pray for you. But right now, we're corporately praying. Honey, what are we praying for today? Let's enter into this.
1: We, we're we asking for prayer for an injured back for cancer, stage 4, lung cancer. You oh. know, one thing about God, there's no stages. No, there's no stages. It's Come on. It's just, you know it's what? It's not
0: harder. It's just heal it. Harder than Absolutely. Stage one for God. Come on. Spine
1: tumor for job pain, recovery from knee surgery. Little baby Edmund is three weeks old, and he's got a tumor on his liver. You know, I'm just praying that God will, they'll do a scan the next scan, that liver, that tumor on that liver will just be gone. Yeah. We're praying for Iranian people to get to meet Jesus, and I know El-Rays are and Atar online this yeah. morning, and we're praying for you to get yeah, I can't
0: wait for them to get here. Yeah, he to you know it is couple. God's
1: will, and um, we're just we're just praying for expedition that you will ju- everything will just yeah, expedite yeah, and yeah, the borders will open. You'll just be able to get here. We are standing and believing it won't be long, and you'll be here, Father. We're coming just, to just, you. Honey, sorry.
0: Yeah. Just before you start praying, yeah. um, if I can have anybody, uh, Franek and Tammy, could you just raise your hand. We're just going to recognize social distancing, but if yeah. you could stretch your hands out while we pray corporately for all these needs. Frantic received a diagnosis It's not favorable. And, uh, yeah. you know, the doctors have said, but Jesus has said today. The great physician. And, and we're just believing for complete healing in your body. Earth, uh, just some, some neurological things that are happening, attacking him. Yeah. And uh, we're going to stand with you, friend, and Tammy. We're believing for a miracle in your yeah. mind and body. So thank you for those that are doing that. Right now, come on, corporately. Yeah. We're praying in for you. And our prayer things. team's here. Come prayer on down and get here. prayer. If
1: you're believing, move out of your seats yep. right now. They're here. They're ready to pray with you and stand with you. Amen. Father, we're coming thank to you this you, morning, Jesus. God. And we're saying... We need your help, Jesus. Father, we're praying and we're calling out and we're standing against things that are coming against people this morning, God. We're praying for this injured back, for cancer stage four. God, you're the almighty physician. And Father, you you can heal in an instant, God. Father, we're praying for this tumor in this spine. For this lung, stage for lung on, cancer, on, jaw on, pain, on, recovery from surgery. Yes, Lord, come on, we God. We're it. calling out receive this morning, Father. Grace and we're praying uh, just to your power, us. God, your power of healing for God. We're yes. praying for little Edmund this morning. Yes. A three-week-old little itty-bitty baby, Jesus, with a tumor. God, I just pray that the next scam will show that it's gone. Come Father, on, that life, you will just reach down, Edmund. Father, and touch life little to baby Edmund, Edmund this life morning. God, for frantic God, just pour your healing out over him right now. Now, God, touch him right now in this service, Father. Let him ever suddenly...
0: Yes, suddenly. Father, because that's Ha-ha. where you
1: are, God. You yes. are suddenly, and yes. it can be done. thank you, Lord. Father, we're praying for thank for Elirazor and, 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 and um Attar this morning, God, thank you, that Lord. you will make a way where thank there you, seems no other home. way.
0: Bring them home.
1: God, just bring them to Cornwall, yes, God. Lord. Bring them to harvest, God. It is your will that they are here. Come they're on, already God. a part of us. Thank you, God, Lord. they just haven't arrived yet, but they're coming. <laughs> Father, we thank you this morning um, for preparation for our Easter service God that you will start moving on hearts already why not that people will be drawn to the house of God that they can hear about you Jesus and your love for them and God that there will be many 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 saved this Easter God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for these people. I thank you just for this congregation, God. I pray that you will bless them, pour out over them, over their families, over their children, over their their situations. God, you got it. God, I just pray that you will just rest on them this week. Father, just bless them in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Yeah. we receive all of that in Jesus' name.
1: If uh, you have a prayer request, Leave us a voicemail or an email, um, or the info is up on the screen. So uh, we have to register for our future services. So make sure you go on right away and register for next week's services. You can head to slash register and save the dates. We've got Good Friday at 11 a.m. in person and online. Uh, Easter Sunday at 9 is just in person. Uh, 10.30 is in person and online. And 12 o'clock is in person. So make sure you go on and register um, so that you can get a seat for those services. I do believe that we are going to pack all three services and our Good Friday services. Well, can you hear those kids? I can't. They're really excited They're to get your treasure tre- chest. I
0: know. They want to be in the I chest. I think they want to get in that yeah, treasure chest. Um,
1: so let's let them do that. Harvest, we love God you. God bless you. We love you um, so much. Have a great week. God bless you. Bless and you we'll see you back next week.